It's time for Yes, I Can Living. Entrepreneurial women all have one thing in common. We want to consistently improve our lives to be the best it can be. I'm your host, Kathy Alessandra, and I'll be interviewing inspiring women who think outside the box, color outside the lines, and live beyond the limits of their fears. They're living all in and playing full out, creating their best life and embodying Yes, I Can Living. Hey everyone, it's Kathy Alessandra, your Yes I Can coach, and we are back with another episode of Yes I Can Living. Super excited today to have Jonathan Bangle with us, but before we get started with him, I just want to remind you, if you have not subscribed to our online magazine, be sure you head on over to yesicanliving.com, then you will get the each podcast as it comes out each week, as well as a whole plethora of articles that post on our site every single week. You'll get the roundup recap on Fridays. So today, like I said, we have Jonathan Bangle with us, who is a business intuitive, an IRS enrolled agent, tax strategist, speaker, author, entrepreneur, shining in the light of financial happiness. We all need more financial happiness, wouldn't you say? He has appeared on over a dozen shows and podcasts and hosts his own show on YouTube, Naked Talk, Naked Talk Text, Naked, oh my gosh, I can't even say it. Tax talk. There you go. <laughs> See, the whole thing with taxes, just yeah, where he bears down to the naked truth about personal business and money lives. He wrote his first book, The ABCs of Deductions, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Tax Write Offs, in 2020. And it became a number one bestseller. And he is a number one bestselling international author. For him, when business owners understand the foundation of deductions, they can take their companies to the next level. For the past 18 years, heart-centered women and a few good men, speakers, coaches, and small business owners have tried with, uh, hired him as their business profit tax coach because most fear making money and overpaying in taxes. Boy, ain't that the truth. So he helps to guide them through the darkness of making a profit and transforms their lives to achieve financial happiness through his own proven method. Today, Jonathan inspires, ignites, and transforms people's lives through his five-week program designed for the small business owner to prepare them for financial happiness. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction. Yeah, right? I mean, you got, a, you got a lot of stuff going on here, big things. I mean, the book and then all the people that you help. And, and quite frankly, we're recording this just prior to tax season. So even better, right? I mean, yeah. I think as, uh, as entrepreneurs, particularly women entrepreneurs, um, sometimes we're not on top of all the financial pieces that we need to be. We're afraid to look at our money. We're afraid to look at the bottom line. We're afraid to, you know, have to pay the estimated taxes and all that. So it's great to have somebody like you who can help guide us through that. But let's rewind just a minute and tell me a little bit about how and why you started your business. Yeah, fantastic. I I want to say that, you know, first I want to address what you actually just brought up, which is all that fear. And um, what we must do, and I, I've been told many times that I have a woman's heart. So I tend to say, you know, like we as women, right? So like we as women, like women, women, and, and, and all of us really, what we want to do is we want to let go of that fear, that fear that I don't know what my numbers are, that fear, I don't know, I'm gonna have to pay taxes. Because if we can remove the fear then we can start to move forward to make better business decisions in our lives. And that's, that's the key. So why did I start my business? Um, well, it's better to tell the world out there that I'm the father of three 
And so I'm, I'm a proud father, actually a proud daddy. And I own three, uh, three children, three, I own them. It's funny how I say that, but needless to say, my first child, his name is JB Financial, and he is my 19 year old tax practice. I had an unplanned pregnancy two and a half years ago, and I gave birth to my show Naked Tax Talk on YouTube. And I just gave birth to my young, my young, my youngest, which is simply just Jonathan Bengal, which is my advisory business. And I started out um, originally supposed to be a teacher, an educator. That was something I was supposed to be since the time I can remember as early as, you know, five, six, seven years old going to school and looking at my teachers and I would critique them all through my years, all the way through high school. And I would imagine like how I would be a teacher either differently or, uh, or I would implement the things that I liked about them. However, one of my really great mentors at the time said to me, you know, Jonathan, do you want to be poor your whole life? Because I come from extreme poverty and extreme poverty. I always have to define that because we all have our different ideas of poverty. But in my case, I was born to a single mother who raised two boys on less than $500 a month. And what that often meant is that we lived in probably not the best of neighborhoods and usually in studio apartments, you know, like converted motels that are converted into living space. Um, it also meant that we lacked food, lacked nutrition. We also lacked clothing oftentimes, or even simple school supplies. And it also meant that my mother moved us so frequently to the tune of about maybe every two to three months. And I'd have to start at a new school with new group of kids, with new teachers. And this is actually a blessing in disguise because for me, it would allow me to what I do now which is to adapt to everyone that comes into my life because I'm so used to it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, my mentor says, you want to be poor your whole life. And it scared me because I was coming from poverty. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I don't want to be, you know, I want to be poor my whole life. And he said, well, if you do just go be a teacher. And it really scared me. And so I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he says, go work with money. And I was like, okay, but like, where am I supposed to start? And he says, go take an accounting class. And uh, that's where all good business starts is with understanding accounting. And so sure enough, I added already to a full college schedule. So I was already a full-time college kid and added an extra six credit hours. So now I think I was up to close to 17 credit hours and uh, started taking accounting and I fell in love with it. I easily got debits and credits and, you know, the financials and it really, it got me super excited about all of that. Well, needless to say, I find myself through my journey of uh, becoming eventually, I got my bachelor's degree in business accounting, and I um, started working for CPA firms. And unfortunately, I'd find myself uh, being fired uh, several times for being just a gay man. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'm done with this. And so finally, I left the accounting world and pursued my master's in secondary education and graduated and became a teacher. And I was a fabulous teacher, actually. I taught for four years. And they, of course, gave me all the bad kids, right? All the kids that couldn't read and write at grade level. And my favorite class was seventh grade. I was an English teacher of all things. So I taught seventh grade and then ninth grade and then 12th grade. And unfortunately, in 2014, Mr. Bengal is murdered. And I say that because that's exactly the feeling that I felt when they brought me into the district office to essentially basically accuse me of all kinds of heinous things like uh, one of the questions showing gay porn to my students, which was absolutely ridiculous, um, or basically saying, you have a problem with Shakespeare? Because I told my students that one of them had to write Shakespeare all over again, but in regular English, so we don't have to like 
be stymied by all of this complexity of the old English, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so I'd had enough of three and a half years of systematic discrimination. And so when I basically was forced out, I lost my sense of purpose. And when you lose your sense of purpose, you also lose your sense of life. And you feel like you just like you just don't need to go forward anymore. And so I got in my car and I was just crying, crying and crying. And all I could think about was my entire life, like ever since I can remember, right? Like it always felt like I got two steps forward and then I got five steps backwards. You know, like I fought really hard to be an honors kid and almost a near a near 4.0 student, you know, 3.98, and then had my scholarships removed or, you know, had boyfriends and got dumped. <laughs> That's the classic one, right? You know, go to college, you think you're doing a good job and then you end up getting in failing and have to go back again. Like, so it always felt like every time you got forward, I always got pushed backwards. And I frankly was just tired. And I also lost my purpose, my calling. That was a passion was to be a teacher. So I went home and I decided to take the coward's way out, I guess you can say, and decided to take all of my Ambien because I was on Ambien and Xanax and all kinds of stuff from being stressed out and um, started popping the pills in my mouth. And it just so happened that my husband shows up um, early, wasn't supposed to come home earlier that day and catches me in the act. And of course, luckily, frantically smacks the bottle out of my hands. And next thing you know, and I'm going to the doctors and being reviewed and whatever else. And I really had to like take in like what I was doing and as I explained to everybody else, it's because I lost, again, I lost my sense of life, my sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had a whole year to think about it because luckily I was able to sue this district. Um, we won for a different reason altogether, which I can't really talk about, but needless to say, I won. And it gave me a whole year to really evaluate and think about what I wanted to do. And so um, in that process, I decided to go ahead and jump 100% into my business before it was always like a side gig a side hustle I think we all can relate to that Absolutely. and I stepped into it 100% and at the time I didn't know who my target audience was I didn't realize that I would be working with a whole bunch of women and it didn't come to light until I started asking actually it was my sales coaches started asking me you know who is your ideal client they all ask us who's your ideal client right and it's so important to know who that is and so I really had to do a lot of deep div diving and I realized something really magical, and that is, is that women are actually the most powerful people in the world. Um, so much so, I know as a man, and I, and I say this as a gay man, ironically enough, but I know from an experience that happened to me at 37, so I'm not a gold star gay. So those people who know what that means, they'll know what that means. But I lost that uh, when I was 37. And, and I realized that in this moment that women had all the power in the world and that men chase after the, the sensation to be with, with a woman forever, in fact, since beginningless time. And as a result, they wrote laws that treat women like second-class citizens. And I know what it's like to be treated even less than that because I'm a gay man at the end of the day. And so I started going, well, holy moly macaronis and cheese, if women are really the most powerful gender in the world, but a lot of them don't know that they have that power. A lot of them don't realize their value and their worth. And so I started realizing that, okay, well, how can I help them? How can I help to empower them? And so one of the ways I did it was, of course, through my business, by helping them through basically unlocking, uncovering, and keeping their hard-earned money so that they can continue to help others, which is really all about delivering happiness to the world. And so I really sought out 
to really help women become empowered, utilizing the law that was designed to really work against them. And so we used especially just tax law, which ironically enough is gender neutral, which allows us to fight back against an institution that normally sees women as second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. Interesting, wow, it's a, quite a journey that you had, right? And, and I think taking all those pieces, I love the, I don't love the fact that you lost your, your purpose, right? But, but being able to take that time and kind of reconnect with yourself and what it means and how you can serve and what that looks like and then stepping into that next purpose. I think, I think truly uh, many of us who are on this journey um, have those, those moments, those times. It may not be, um, it may not be as, I, you went through a really difficult time, right? But I mean, like I had a divorce, right? So, I mean, it's going through those things and then taking a step back and reevaluating. I think that's an important, a really important piece. And I think money, you know, when I talk to some of my clients too, we talk about the money piece and I find many women are afraid to look at the money. They're afraid to look at the bottom line. They're not sure really what they can and can't do. So having somebody like you, um, I think is, is phenomenal to be able to really guide women. So what would be maybe a tip or two um, that you would share with women as far as taking their financial empowerment and, um, you know, what they can do to, to really step into that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So I call it the Bengal method. So, you know, those of us that work in the world of speaking and authorship and online course designs and things of that nature, you know, we'll, we'll understand this, that a lot of times we create these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where like you, like the word, like, so my pro, I used to call it the seed method. So it would stand for like profit mindset, so forth. So I just call it the Bengal method because I realized that these five things, these five tips I'm going to share right now is actually what transformed my life. Um, and really helped me to propel me from the person that was really afraid to state my value, that was afraid to really take full advantage of the tax law to its fullest advantage. And as an IRS enrolled agent, I mean, I have a lot of confidence because obviously this is my training, this is my licensing, but at the same time, you know, there's certain things that still come up. They're like, oh, can I really take advantage of that? And then you realize, well, wait a minute, you got tax courts behind you, you have IRS guidance behind you, treasury guidance behind you. So once you find out that people have your back, then you can take a leap. So this is what I, this is what I always say. The first thing, the very, very, very first thing that we must do as entrepreneurs is to realize that what our purpose is, and I'll help by saying that our purpose is to deliver happiness to the world. And happiness is the removal of suffering of others. So, you know, for example, when clients come to you, Kathy, they're looking to end their suffering of maybe saying no too much, or they're not willing to say yes, right, to do something different. And so you're helping them relieving them of that suffering. For me, it's the suffering of, oh my gosh, the fear of paying taxes. So we remove that thereby creating happiness. The second thing that we want to do is we want to realize that we're powerful, badass CEOs capable of making a shit ton of money while also paying our fair amount of tax. Amen. It's not, you're right. <laughs> and it's not about paying like nothing. And it's also not about paying everything. It's mm-hmm. legit like our fair share. So what is our fair share? Well, as a business owner, most people who play the game right will pay anywhere between 12 to about 20% max as an effective tax rate. Whereas most um, solopreneurs or entrepreneurs the, that do not use a tax strategist like myself typically are up there in the 30% range or higher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we got to realize that we are badass. 
and that we're capable and that what others think of us, what others feel about us, what others project onto us, it's not ours, baby. It's their bowl. And when we can turn around and go, that's you, not me, which is ironic, right? You're breaking up somebody. It's not you. It's me, right? So it's like, it's not me. It's you. And it's the truth is that every single person is always trying to put something on us. And when we just need to just go, nope, I don't accept what you're saying to me. I don't accept you saying to me that, you know, you don't know your numbers. You should be ashamed of yourself, right? Like I reject that, right? I just don't know my numbers because I just don't have... I just haven't had someone teach me what my number should be, right? So it's about letting that go. The second thing that we then have to do is understand that we are not our business and your business is not you. And I call that the separation of self. And it's really, really being able to see yourself in a whole different space because like I just said earlier in the show, I'm a father of three and notice how those are my businesses. So if we can see our business is in that light, what happens is we start to say things like, well, I always say to my students, would you let people take advantage of your child? And most parents that I know of would say no, right? Mm -hmm. Would you let somebody steal money from your child? You'd say no, right? Would you let someone abuse your child? You'd say no. So then why do we do it to our businesses? So it's the same idea. Right. right. We treat our yeah. businesses like our children. Wowzers. Right. And then that lets us kind of then separate. So we don't take things personally because we have to make difficult business decisions. Right. Sandra Yancey of eWomen Network said it best that business ownership is expensive. Right. You're going to either pay through it through mentors or you're going to pay through it through mistakes. Right. And I love what she said because it's the truth. Being a business owner is expensive. So if we can learn to not take it on us, but instead have the business be that burden, then it changes the way in which we interact. The third thing I would say to my, to to the, my listeners, your listeners is to also pay attention to what is the type of entity structure are you about? And a lot of people right now in 22 people are going, Oh, I created an LLC. Do I get more refunds? I get more tax deductions. And that's frustrating me and, of course, my entire, my, my peers as well, because that's not how it works. And tax structures are slightly different than legal structures. And so my piece of advice is before someone goes out there and creates an LLC or goes out there and creates an S-Corp or a C-Corp or even a partnership, that they should really consult with a tax strategist like myself, because that's really about planning. That's really about being proactive versus reactionary. Mm -hmm. And that's about changing the mindset, right? And I know you work a lot with this. It's kind of like, well, where do you want to go? Well, how do we get there? What are the steps to get there? That's being proactive versus I'm already here, but now I have all these problems. And so it's easier to fix something that's proactive versus reactionary. The other thing I would say is, is that if we don't know what a deduction is, Get my book, The ABCs of Deductions, An Entrepreneur's Guide to Deductions. Because you see, in business, Uncle Sam, our government, most governments around the world, they're in the business to make money. That's how they live. That's how they thrive. And they know that as entrepreneurs, we're at the forefront of generating money. And therefore, a government basically says to us and goes, Kathy, you know, 
I know that you're a coach. And so everything that you're going to do to generate money as a coach, you're going to be able to divert some of that money into other investments, aka in our world, we call them, well, in solopreneurs world, we call those expenses, but it's really an investment, right? So mm -hmm. he says, I want you to invest that money in order to continue making money, which has got to be related to what you do in your profession. So I always tell my students, it's got to answer two questions and it spells the word on. Is it ordinary and is it necessary? Ordinary in the due course of business and necessary because without it, you can't produce money. So these are the questions. And of course, you got to go back to tax law and really diverge into details in that. But I digress. The overall theme is, is it ordinary? Is it necessary? Because then that unlocks all those deductions that we're afraid to take. Take the home office deduction, number one missed thing on a tax return, right? So that's thousands of dollars potentially that people overpay. In fact, I know so. We deal with clients like this. So the next, the last thing is, is you want to protect your hard earnings. And what I mean by that is it's, we call simple quote unquote and easy quote unquote steps that we call documentation. And really it's all about the documents behind what you're doing and what you're saying. So a classic example, mileage, everybody drives their car for one purpose or another for, for their business. And yet nobody seems to track their miles. And the government knows this. And so when it does an audit, it likes to pick on that area of your return because it knows it's an easy fruit. It's easy, low-hanging fruit to capture. So taking time to actually track your miles is important. I mean, I, as a tax strategist, as a multi-business owner, I have freaking three trackers tracking my miles for my, each of my companies. And as much as it sucks, you have to do it. It's part of being a business owner. So like if you're really, really wanting to take yourself to the next level, because let's be real, when we all started our businesses, we all have this grand idea of what our business was going to be. Just like when we have our children, right? We have these grand ideas of who they're going to become. And so same thing with our business. We're gonna, we want it to be the million dollar company. We want it to be the billion dollar company or better yet, we just want to make $100,000 or even $50,000, right? But the idea here is we want it to do something. Something. And so if you're going to take it to the next level, you also have to be willing to put in that work and document everything that you're doing. And if you don't know what to document, you got to join my class. Simple as that. Small Business Financial Happiness Blueprint for Solopreneurs. Uh, which is the, which is, gives you a, at least a step into the right direction. And then from there, you can kind of take off. So that's what I would say. Okay. Believe in yourself separate yourself from your business, know the entity structure that you belong in and when you should do it. Don't be afraid to ask about those deductions and read a book, the ABCs of deductions. And also last but not least, but track everything through the proper documentation so that you do win in an audit. At the end of the day, just remember that we were sent here to make people happy and we were sent here to make money. Right. Exactly. Love that. Those are great. Five, the, your method, your five tips. And that's great. A lot of really good information there. Um, and I hope everybody really took those in because it's important, important things for sure. 
um, in keeping your money and making more and, and being successful. So let's take a step back real quick about a little bit more about you personally. Uh-huh. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, now you've been in business for a number of years, you've got these three different businesses. What do you wish or what would you tell? What would you tell your younger self now? You know, something that you've learned now that you wish you'd known when you started your business. Um, what would that be? Well, um, what would I, the first thing that came to my mind, the first thought that came to my mind is what would I tell my younger self? What I would tell my younger self is not everyone needs to love you. Mm. And, and that's really important. Not everyone needs to be you. Not everyone needs to be with you. Um, because it turns out that like, I was born as this like natural people pleaser, right? Like everyone wants to love me. Everyone has to love me. And out of that desire to be loved and liked by everybody, I often put my own self needs um, away from others. So like, as in like their needs, that came before mine. And as a result, I undervalued myself. I did not have the right worth for myself. Um, I, I struggled and I had a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And I really wasn't able to truly shine like I am today, right? This fabulous person that I am today. And I think that's what it's about because we as entrepreneurs, you know, we get into this mindset that every, you know, who do you do business with? Everybody, right? And when we, when we say that, we're, we're really actually devaluing ourselves. And it's kind of a weird mindset, but it's true. And when we start saying, well, you know what? I'm only going to work with and then who do you work with, right? And I found that it's the adjective that describes the noun, right? So the heart-centered, well, then what's next? Well, it's a woman, right? The gender, you know, or whatever. And then the profession, right? And when we do that, we're able to actually accelerate our revenue even faster and harder and greater because we're narrowing down that expertise and that niche. And it's letting go of the falsity that everybody needs to love you. Mm-hmm. So when you let go of that idea, ironically enough, it opens up new opportunities. And that's really what it's about. It's about letting go of expectations yeah. and allowing ourselves to be in the now. Right. I, I, you know, like I so agree with you on so many levels, this idea of the, uh, I am I, uh, as a yes person, right. I used to say yes to everybody and everything because you want to be liked, you want to be in the in group, you want to be right. And I think, you know, as women, as we get further along or, or whomever, but you know, anyone is, is understanding your value, understanding your worth, not comparing, not competing, but standing up in a big, bold, bright way and mm-hmm. being you stepping out. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's it's uh, my acronym. I call it you. Let's talk about you, right? You is Y stands for yearning to know your true self. O means owning your glory and not so glorious moments. And you is understanding your life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it boils down to, isn't it? And yeah. interestingly enough, when we do it for ourselves, our business, which is a reflection of who we are, mm-hmm. improves. And the money, honey, is a reflection right. of our business and ourselves, and that improves. And that's what we are trying to accomplish in this life. Yeah, absolutely. I love it, Jonathan. So tell me, how do you define success? <laughs> it's very personal, isn't it? Because um, every one of us has different ideas of absolutely. what success is. I think for me, um, success is always changing and it's always evolving. 
Um, that's important for me to say because what I thought was success before has changed. So like I thought that what success meant was that like, you know, you have fancy cars and you have fancy clothing and fancy houses or like right now I'm on the ninth floor looking out downtown Phoenix, Arizona. Like I thought this was all success, right? This, this greater, grander, beautiful things. And really what I've come to learn for myself right now, what success means to me is what I call the Bengal effect. And the Bengal effect is the ability to remove our fears, which gives us greater confidence, which then allows us to take risks, which then allows us to make better business decisions, which then allows us to make more money, keep it, and then ultimately fulfill our wishes and more importantly, the wishes of those around us. And so sometimes that just simply means being content. So, or better yet, not having to worry about how to pay for things. And it's really all about like personal financial security. So that's kind of like what success means to me, like not having to worry now, like about how to pay for things, how to acquire for things or, or even taking risks. And that's really what success means to me, or it can even be drilled down to even basic steps. Like for example, we just launched the small business financial happiness for uh, blueprint.com, I think it is. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so we just launched it. And so we have six students that are attending the class right now that we're teaching. And so I was more than happy if I got one or two. So the fact that you get six, right? And that's my average class size, like limited to 10 on purpose, but I digress. So like for me, like that's success. Like, mm -hmm. ooh, I got two people in my class, right? And, right? and success can be as much as like my jewelry. Like, I don't know if this is a, this is an audio, I think. So, both. but are both <laughs> fantastic. So I'll show off my diamonds, right? So um, I've got, this one's my first ring and then my second ring. So my first ring, right, like, this is a blue diamond ring, 14, no, 18 karat white gold. And I bought it in 2017 when I made my first $100,000 in gross sales. And I wanted to celebrate that, right? I remember just like, okay, I need to do something to celebrate it. And jewelry wasn't necessarily my thing, but my friend convinced me and I thought, what a great way to symbolize that success. Mm -hmm. Precious, on the other hand, is platinum um, with about 40 different diamonds on here. I can't remember the carrots on them. And this was when I made $130,000 in one hour. So it's really all about like symbolizing the success that we also, and celebrating that success. Celebrate. It yeah. could be as crazy as buying jewelry, or it can be as fun as getting yourself a new, um, a new piece of clothing, or let's say you really wanted a 75 inch TV, go right. out and get yourself it after the fact, right? So right. I think it's all relative yeah. and it's all about scalability. But if you had to ask me if I'm successful now, the answer is hell yes. Yeah, I <laughs> love it. You know, I think sometimes too, we think about the really big things like what you're talking about. And I encourage sometimes the ladies, even just to celebrate the small things, you know, because the, the small wins, the small celebrations all get to the bigger ones, right? Yes. You know, and even if it even if it means going and getting your favorite coffee at your favorite coffee store, right, on the way home or whatever, I think, I think celebrations are incredibly important because so many times we just let them go and we don't necessarily acknowledge them, yeah. um, right? And then we yeah. think, what do we really do and where are we, but, you know. I, I love oh, that. I'm, too I'm, bad nobody can see me because when I close a deal, like a high-end ticket sale, right, for tax plans and stuff, like I'm notorious. Like I'll get out of my seat and I will do like the happy day, my version of the happy dance from my office to my director's office. And, you know, so again, that's just that celebration of right. the success. Right. 
I love it. I love it. So Jonathan, if people wanted, if women, men, whoever, they wanted to <laughs> find out more about you, connect with you personally, read your book, find out about this program, where would they go to do that? There's lots of websites out there. So um, they can just find me at Jonathan Bengel. That's B as in boy, E-N-G-E-L.com. So jonathanbengel.com, that would take you to my main site. They can also buy the book at theabcsofdeductions.com. And if they want to find out more about my program, it's smallbusinessfinancialhappiness.com. I think we'll get them somewhere. I think that's what it is. If not, it'll take you to my five steps for financial happiness, which is basically the Bengal method, but it's online. It's a PDF. So if you wanted to get your hands on that, you can get your hands on that too. Awesome. Wonderful. Fabulous. Well, thank you. Let me just ask you my final question that I ask everyone who I interview here. So normally it's what makes you a yes, I can woman, but what makes you a yes, I can entrepreneur? Yeah. Yes, I can. Um, what makes me a yes, I can man entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah. What makes me a yes, a yes person. Um, it's, it's the realization that when you look at yourself in the mirror and you ask yourself, when was the last time that you failed? And what we come to realize, if we're really honest with ourselves, what the response is going to sound like is never. And the reason why it's never, although some might say, well, I failed in this and I failed in that, right? But when we say those kind of things, we really have to ask ourselves is who is saying that to us, mm. right? It's not you who's saying that. It's someone else who told you something about that. And right. that's not true. So therefore we have never failed. And that's extremely important to understand that it's somebody else who's putting that into your ear. And it's up to us to say, that's not true. So that's what that would say. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you for sharing those five tips. For those of you who are listening, if you didn't catch them all, uh, double, double check the show notes, whether you're listening on iTunes or whether you're watching on our website or on YouTube, I will put uh, Jonathan's URLs in there so you can click on over and get those things that he talked about and get empowered, learn about your finances, connect with Jonathan, and, um, and really take your business and your life to the next level by really stepping into that financial awareness and that financial knowledge. Jonathan, again, thank you so much for being with us and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Absolutely. And we'll see you all next time here at Yes, I Can Living. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.